Welcome back to Down the Slope. Again, we've failed in getting a full house, but we have got some lovely gents here today. We were joined by Ryan, Liam and Greg. Greg, the, the hair's looking smart today, mate. How you doing? Uh, thanks, mate. Um, uh, Liam's given me an absolute pasting for all weekend, to be honest. Um, she's absolutely bullied me. Um, but yeah, I quite like it, to be fair. And Ryan kept saying on Saturday how, how good it looks, so I'll, uh, I'll keep it for now. Oh, and as, as another gent with lovely hair, Liam, how are you getting on? I'm doing all right, thank you, mate. Uh, I'm, I'm liking G's hair as well. I think it looks quite smart. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll join in the products. Um, I, uh, I, do, uh, yeah, I do appreciate a good head of hair on a man. I think it's important, so <laughs> there you go. Thanks, lad. I appreciate that. <laughs> all right, Ryan, before we blow his head up too much, how, how was your weekend, Ryan? You went off to Blackpool. Obviously, result not great, but it's pre-season. The main thing's the day out. How was, how was your weekend? I went off to Blackpool, but I also went off the rails a wee bit. Uh, you're, you're just going to have to bear with me here. I've got quite a few things that I need to, to say. First shout out um, is to a Geordie guy. Forgot his name, but met him about two or three times. Said he recognised me and Greg off the telly. Um, lives in Newcastle. Been coming to Hibs games since 1984, I think. So uh, fair play to him. Fair play to him. Um, Blackpool City Council. I think it should be considered a skill to be able to park your car with all four <laughs> wheels on the pavement. I don't think you should be punished for that. I think you should be rewarded, to be honest. Um, so thanks very much oh. to them. Uh, PC Paul from Lancashire Police. Absolute gent. We've gained a fan, but I also gained a fine. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was an expensive follower, that one. Uh, and last but not least, I just want to say, Elaine Lumsden, I got your boy back in one piece, so... I'm in the good books there. Just a bit with a, with a <laughs> technically unsafe car, but yeah. Um, but being yeah. honest, boys, after missing what sounds like quite a historic away day, I'm, I'm almost glad I wasn't in the car with you two. It sounds like it was a bit too much carnage. Well, that was just a brief overview of events, but I mean, there was a lot more. I mean, Rebel bus on the way. Do you know, the car never actually drove down to Blackpool. It bounced down. Rebel tunes <laughs> all the way, man. The Rebel bus. <laughs> Um, he was obsessed, man. Absolutely obsessed. Oh God! Good luck. Um, it was it was a good trip. It was a good trip. And uh, we met Michael and Craig McCurdy, friends of the pod at the pub for the game. And Danny DeVito decided that he was going to offer Mark Henry out for a fight. So, <laughs> and that was one of our own fans. But then, um, in, in terms of the atmosphere on the at the game itself, it's it looked like on the concourse it was all really good. Did it carry up to the game as well? Yeah, yeah, no, it was phenomenal. I think it had one of those kind of feels to it where it didn't matter what was happening on the pitch, we were going to make some noise and show Blackpool what Hibs are all about. So I think we've done that. We even managed to get a, <laughs> a Blackpool fan flung out after two minutes. Uh, I think the choice of song didn't suit him, so he tried to jump over the railing and got escorted out the premises two minutes on the clock. So, Jeez, sounds like a lot of exuberance going on on the way to Blackpool and in Blackpool itself. Goodness. Um, any, any final comments on Blackpool before we move on to transfers? Ask G, I've said my piece like. Uh-huh. No more. <laughs> he wants gone. to forget about it. <laughs> Goodness. It's just um, one of the places there that 
I suppose Blackpool's play, quite honest, it doesn't claim to be the city of culture or anything. So, got to respect it for that. But, yeah, really glad I didn't wake up there on Sunday morning with a hangover because we'd have looked 10 times worse. Goodness. <laughs> well, thankfully, you don't, Gene. That hair's looking fine. Anyway, speaking of things looking fine, there has been transfer movement in and out. We'll talk, We'll start with it out. It's kind of been confirmed on and off uh, for the last wee while that Ethan Laidlaw uh, was going to leave the club. He was a young player um, that a lot of fans um, put quite highly in their estimation. I think football manager definitely played a part in it and part in his success in the Hibs fans' eyes to me. He was an absolute baller. Uh, but Liam, you've seen him play a few times at youth level. Um Kind of just wish him all the best. I don't think there's any bad blood between him and the club. It's just it's a good move for him. I, I don't begrudge him at all. That's a good move for him. And, you know, going to, I think he's going to Brentford B initially, isn't he? And hopefully he can, um, you know, get get the required experience under his belt, either get pushing towards the Brentford first team or, or find a loan somewhere. I do think it'd be more beneficial for him to play um, play play regular football, men's football, rather than playing in that uh, absolutely dreadful English under-23 Premier Division or whatever it's called, which is a complete nothing competition. So, uh, fingers crossed that it turns out well for him and uh, wish him all the best. And Greg, we'll come to you first. You're our resident hard man defender and we've got that in the shape of Will Fish back at the club for a second season. Fantastic business, that. Yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's a signing that we needed. I think him and Hanlon struck up a really good partnership. And uh, I think maybe we've seen on Thursday night that that's what that's what we need. We need two centre halves that can defend um, and have that partnership. But listen, he's a, he's a cracking player. I think was it'll be reviewed in six months, so you can only hope that we get the remainder of the season out of him after that. And Ryan, just how important is the income of Will Fish to this club? Yeah, I think Greg's mentioned. Uh... Obviously, the partnership with Hanlon is really important. I think he also has a presence with, with the size and stature that he is. He's a really big body um, in terms of defending set pieces. And even in the opposition box, you could see last season he scored, I think it was three goals in the end. So he carries that goal threat. But end of the game there against Blackpool, um, he came onto the pitch to clap the fans. And you could just see like the sheer size of the man. He's like an absolute unit. Uh, and he's only going to get better whether that's over the next six months or the full season, whatever we get him for. But he's getting better all the time, so we're gonna we're gonna get the benefits of that hopefully for this season at least. Nice. Um, and as it stands, and um, the last thing that we saw before starting recording was Hibbs tweeting a picture of a plastic pen with multiple colours, um, held by a blurred out image of a man that we believe to be Dutchman Dylan Vente, probably Vente. I said Vente, but Liam, a striker coming in. Um, hopefully to fill in the boots that Kevin Nisbet has left. How excited are you for this guy, having watched his YouTube compilation? I did enjoy his YouTube compilation. I was saying to you before we got started that it's a very nice variety of different finishes. I think he looks like he's going to be sort of penalty box type type number nine, based on nothing else than than his, than his YouTube compilation. The core reserve judgment on exactly what kind of striker he's going to be until we'll see him in the flesh, but uh, I'm very encouraged, obviously, that we've made the signing. I think it's a huge statement of intent as well in terms of the, the reported fee that we've, we've we've spent on him. It's a lot of money, and um, perhaps you know at any point really over the last last twenty years or so. Um, so I think it's a 
hopefully, very hopeful, very hopeful that it's going to be the sort of missing piece that attacking jigsaw. Because I think we've all been talking for a while now about the need for a start in number nine. So fingers crossed they can come in and do the business. Ryan, Greg, you guys' thoughts? It's a good habit to get out of scoring goals, and he's done that for a couple of seasons. And we've seen it before where these players come in and maybe don't quite do it. So you just need to hope that he comes in and, and like Liam says, hits a good run and starts scoring goals early and gets the fans behind them. Ryan, any, any thoughts yourself? I just think that we really need a presence, a focal point up there. Doesn't need to be a big target man or somebody you can hit on the long ball, but just somebody that can. You know, bring others into play, get himself in the box, get on the end of things. I think um, really kind of highlighted the fact that we lacked that Thursday night pass. And I don't want to dig anyone out, but Melkerson, I thought, was really poor there on Sunday. Um, did not show anything in terms of holding the ball up. Didn't Wasn't strong, but, you know, he just, he was so uninvolved in the game. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy we've brought in another striker so we don't need to rely on the likes of himself and Lafondra to score the goals. So we'll see what happens. Um, I agree with probably... the sentiment. Oh, on you go, Liam. No, I was going to say, I probably do think it probably means the end of Christian Deutsch at Hibs, I would imagine. Or, or, one, or certainly one of her, him or Melkerson. I think we'll go over the next couple of days. Just with the, We've probably got too many centre-forwards on the books now. Um, with Kukurevich going to Swansea, it looks like Bent will be kind of the main man. So... I, I, yeah, I do. I do think that he's. We're, we're clearly putting a lot of our eggs into this basket, but fuck, that's a horrible cliche that I hate. I don't know why I used that one. Uh, but I, 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 his goal, his goal record's very, very impressive, even if it is in the, you know, second flight, second tier, in Holland. I think it's, a, I think it's a very impressive goal, goal, goal to the games ratio. So fingers crossed, and he's come through the system at Feyenoord as well, which have done a pretty decent job, I would say of bringing through young players over the last however many years they've been kicking around. So it's a good pedigree to have. Um, just one last thing to touch on before we get on to the listener questions. Um, we had our first competitive game of the season and in short, it was not very good. We went away to Andorra. Um, I think I predicted 6-2. I think we'd all predict, the rest of the boys had predicted goals to nil, uh, victories and it was just an absolute shambles from start to finish. I just... Boys, we need to quickly recap what on earth happened there. Brian, coming to you first, what what went wrong? Jesus. Be quicker telling you what went right. Um, <laughs> yeah, do you know what? I don't know if it was a mentality thing, uh, going into the game thinking that we've got more than enough to beat these boys. And I, I don't know, it's hard to say, but there didn't seem to be any real game plan, no... Uh, kind of action plan as to how we were going to play. It just seemed a bit rushed and hurried and misplaced passes. Poor, very, very poor defending for the goals. Um, I think Stevenson got caught out and Rocky for the first one and then obviously Marshall had an absolute disaster class for the second. I mean, it's, yeah, very poor, very poor. Didn't create enough chances at the end of the day. Yeah, obviously we got the goal late on, Greg, but... um. Doesn't really cover for what was a terrible performance. That's entirely unacceptable <clears throat> um, from start to finish, I would say. Um, I don't think anyone really comes out of that game with any credit, maybe other than, other than Junior, maybe, but purely because he got a goal. The defending and, and goalkeeping that we showed on, on, on Thursday was entirely amateur. And uh, 
I, I do still believe that we'll go through, but I think that you can't allow them to score um, because clearly we can't break them down. I think um, at times some of the decision making was was woeful as well. But like you always after these games, you always see a lot of blame fired all over the place. But for me, it's on the players that I, I think it's entirely on the players um, that performance. And I know it might sound daft, uh, Liam, because we're playing against an Andorran team at Easter Road, but is it now turned into actually what feels like a big game this coming week, or do you just still expect Hibs to go out there and beat them handedly? I think I think every game in European football is a big game, to be quite honest. Like we don't we don't have the luxury of getting there every single year. And we essentially played thirty eight league games last season to get to this place. So we do need to we do need to turn up and put a performance in. It will be a big game, but I'm not. I'm really not worried. Like personally, I think the big pitch Easter Road will be far too far too much of them, and I'd be very very surprised if if they can they can frustrate us. I, th- I think the only thing that would be concerned me is we got to half time at 0-0 and fans maybe started getting a wee bit itchy because you can see what that impact that has on the players when fans get on top of them and start to struggle. So I, I'm 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 really not worried. They didn't look to me like they had enough to to be able to stick with us for, for 90 minutes on the big Easter Road pitch and was playing at the tempo that we can play at or we did play at for periods towards the end of last season uh, I'm pretty confident we'll, we'll see them off Well, prayers are up that you are correct and guys, it's time for my favourite part of the show and it's the bulk of the show we're getting on to the listener questions um, just to make you guys aware there is a lot to do with the game last week there's a lot to do with the players in the squad some transfer questions and some Blackpool related questions and I think we know which two we're going to go to for them um, but starting off let's go to my sister's first question of the day um, we actually announced our third or launched our third kit today uh, white with a few stripes on it I didn't actually notice for, until about three hours later that there was a purple stripe on it um, but Bex asked what is the best of the three kits out of the three that they've released this year what one of you guys got as your favourite the home kit why so pers- oh, when you go around sorry I, I, I personally love love the purple kit I think it's just it's like a beauty like and Liam I think purple for me just just, but it's very close. Uh, well, um, do, do we like the white kit? I, I think it's it's one of those ones. I think it's okay. I, I don't think it's as amazing as the other two. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that's nice. But it's I, not white though. Is it off white? Is that what you call it? Cream, I think. Cream, off white. Because the uh, only thing I thought in the picture with the players modelling it, I thought it looked really white. But then, mm-hmm. because it was a white background, did they change the shade? But that would be really stupid. Because <laughs> it did look white in the images, didn't it? Yeah, but it's definitely off white. Okay. I think we've done well. I get three banging kits, so I mean, it's, it's not every season you get all three kits that are a, mm-hmm. an acceptable level. Usually, you get a, a stinker in there. So I think we've done all right. Like to be fair, Joma's kits have been class. Eh? It's a swan song for them this year. This is that final year, so they really pulled out the bag. Do you think do you think the club would maybe look at renewing them because they have been such success as a yeah, I think it would be a good I would rather have, club, to be honest. I'd rather have Joe over absolute nonsense like Castoria or whatever who, uh, <laughs> who, can, who can actually seem to put badges on the right way around their elephants. So I'd rather them than, than others or, or even templates that you usually get out of the shop uh, like 
Adidas yeah. or, or, or Nike or whatever. So I, I wouldn't be against keeping them. Uh, I'd, I'd be all for it. I think they're great. I think they're great. When it comes to Nike and Adidas, there doesn't seem to be much attention to detail, eh? Whereas the Joma kits have yeah. always got like little hidden bits of detail that's worth the money, yeah. Uh, it's that personalised sort of relationship yeah. that clubs seem to have with them as well. And I think we heard something a while ago about the club getting money for each strip sold, which I don't think is the case for other clubs in Scotland or for a lot of other clubs in Scotland. Like we get a percentage cut of each strip sold, which kind of puts it in the club's interest to sell more tops. So mm. I'm, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be I'd be well up for keeping them, to be honest. I'm, I'm not really sure who we could who's out there we could get that's better. There'd be some that you'd obviously want for nostalgia reasons, but. I think they've been very, very good. Like, and the quality of them, I think, has generally been pretty good from what I've seen too. I think uh, some of the Kappa strips and some of the Hummel strips are quite nice, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want us to go Tonto to go and get them if we can keep Joe back. It's, it's good gear, like good gear, Jay. <laughs> well, it is. Listen, it's quality stuff. You know what I mean? No, I agree with you. Really, really produced this year. I agree with you. Well, no arguments there. All three kits are nice, and there you go. Um, Kev Wilson asked, um, he did ask our thoughts on Vente, but we've already given that. He said, any concerns that we're only offering a three-year deal considering the fee being quoted for him? I think the fee is being quoted at around 700,000, um, and that's in pounds, so I think it's about 900,000 euros. Um, any concerns that it's only a three-year deal? Um, personally, I think if he comes here and he lights up the first two seasons, we could get a hefty fee for. Or even if he if he has a season that he looks capable of in the first season, he could end up going at the end of the year for a hefty fee. So I, I'm not too concerned at the three years. That red flags for any of you? No, I mean I think the club club have got to protect themselves as well because I mean it might not necessarily work out. We need to ship him off somewhere, and we we have a big long term contract. It's an inflated price, so. I think um, it's protecting both sides there, personally. Agents will never usually agree to four-year deals anymore. That's just not not it. Mm. Yep. I think I, I do like I do I do think it's probably pretty standard to be honest in, in the current climate. I'd, I like it when clubs retain the, the option of a further year, but I think it's increasingly difficult to get players to sign up to that further year because effectively relinquish kind of control of your future over to the football club for another 12 months but let's be honest Harry if you score 15 goals to you now in January there'll be bids coming in from the English Championship in January you can bet your bottom dollar of that so I don't think you need to wait two years to see a return on the investment if, if you're worried about the financial side of things I mean lights up like the offers will be there if he doesn't then you've you've got a player for three years rather than four years who's not, not cutting the mustard so I think it feels like it feels like the right term of contract for me to be honest. Yeah, no, no complaints there. And then Kevin's second question was: um, any bucket list sporting events you'd like to attend? Ryan, we'll come to you first. Any any sporting events that you'd like to attend? I'm assuming that's kind of like the finals of things, etc. Yeah, for me it would be the All Ireland football final, which was on yesterday. Um, so was it the quarter final and? That was amazing. So to go to the final would be something else. And to be fair, I'd go to the Harlan final. Like, really not fussy either. Or it'd be really good. Thanks, Liam. Uh, I thought I'd go and see an NBA playoffs game in uh, TD Garden in Boston. Uh, Beat the Boston, but unfortunately not for a playoff game. Um, other than that, no, really, I've not. 
I, I, I did. I, I came and talked about it a wee while ago, but I would, I would, I would quite like to go to Wimbledon. I know it'd be surely getting toughs and people eating strawberries <laughs> and cream in that part. There's something about there's something about centre court in Wimbledon. I think just because you've watched it since you were you were wee, I'd quite like to go and sample it for a day, preferably when there's I don't know, like normal people there watching it and you not know, like the royal family and all them. Did she? How did we St. Baron on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> um, I was thinking though, there's there's a few, like growing up, I always wanted to go to like a Champions League final or a World Cup final, but I just think they're both so corporate now. I think there's so little fans that go to them. I actually wouldn't yeah. be that excited to go. Um, but one one thing I'll say, this is just me flexing because I can. I got to see a um, UFC title fight from Octagon side, and that was that was insane. Like, that was so cool. Um, and then probably a Super Bowl would be the main one for me. That'd be insane. Um, insert American jokes that Harry loves now. Um, down below. Uh, but yeah, Kev, let us know what bucket list sporting event you would like to attend. We'd love to know. Um, and then Gav Dick has come in and said, uh, thoughts on Dutch striker. We covered that. Boyle a certainty to start. I think he needs to for Thursday. As I'm nervous, it's already been embarrassing, and we've not started the season. So in short, would you start Martin Boyle on Thursday, guys? Liam will come to you first on that. Boyles to start. No, no. Nah, too early. He's played, what, 45 minutes against Blackpool. They maybe play a wee bit of time in a behind-closed-doors game as well for the previous weekend. It's, too, it's just too early for me. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't have him on the bench just for laughs like he did uh, in the away leg. I'd, I'd have him on the bench to come on and actually make an impact. But I wouldn't be starting him. And Greg, there was comments in the press of Boyle saying that he feels that he was ready to play last week and he was somewhat frustrated that he wasn't lit on the pitch. Do you think Johnson, even though we were behind, did the right thing by not playing him? Who knows? I think if, if he goes and plays and then picks up an injury for another three months and you're going off your head, why are we playing him? If he, if he doesn't play, we get beat. Why are we not playing him? But I don't want to see him as yes. Like Liam says, sitting on the bench, just taking up a seat. I think if, if he's going to be on the bench and he's had value, there needs to be a plan. I think if, if he is to come on on Thursday and absolutely have him on the bench, I don't think I'd start him. But if he was to come on for the last 10, 15, absolutely have him on the bench. Ryan, rend us off on that. Thoughts on Boyle playing it? still starting on Thursday? Yeah, I think it's still a bit too early. I mean, he, he, looked, he looked okay on Sunday, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday, sorry. Sharp looked all right. But yeah, it's still far too early for him. It's a it's a big operation he's come back from. It's a bad injury that can reoccur if it's not looked after properly at this this stage. Um, I think Boyle being on the bench last week, just for the sake of it, is pretty silly, to be honest with you. Um, we need to be taking things like that seriously. Even if there's a 17, 18-year-old that can come on, he might make an impact in the game as opposed to somebody that you've openly said isn't going to come on. What's the purpose of him being on the bench? It's just a strange one for me. But um, I think he, he can come on and, and make an impact on Thursday. He's had 45 minutes in the tank. He can maybe play 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, I thought it was quite disrespectful, actually, just having him on the bench. Yeah. yeah I think that's really, that really poor taste. Turn up to be a cheerleader against a team that you're pretty much saying you're turn up expecting to beat. That's, yeah. It's not on, really. You need to carry yourself a bit more professionalism than that. Sends the wrong message. Sends the wrong message to teammates. Like just the whole mentality from picking the side to the players going out on the pitch. It's like 
all right, we've got someone on here as a cheerleader because it's a wee bit uh, jolly over in Andorra. It's not a jolly. It's like I said earlier, we've played thirty-eight games to get to this this very early stage of European football, and you're doing that. Just I thought it was really poor, really poor. Yeah, I'm glad you agree. Mm-hmm. It is. It is really disrespectful. It's not on. It's not on. Uh, well, speaking of very poor, you know, I love a segue. Um, I don't like to bash players too much, but a couple of questions we got, and well, more statements. Um, Temerair said, "Drop Marshall Glinder Hill, G L Y N D W R. Apologies if it's not Glinder. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, Hill said Marshall out. Um, I did ask uh, Ryan and Liam last week. I did say to you when we were talking about team selection. Um, would you start Marshall or Walcott? And you said you would start Marshall until he gave you a reason not to." Is that reason enough to see Walcott start on Thursday? Uh, Ryan, come to you first. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For me, because he's had more than enough chances last season to correct his errors and try and find some form. Do you know, there was he spills the shot, right? But you see how long it takes him to get back up to his feet as well. I think he's just kind of lost his legs and his agility and he's totally fallen off the cliff. So I think... He's made a blunder right at the start of the season. It's time to be like, hey, this isn't happening again this season. Wallacott, go in there until you make a mistake. And then, Boric will go in goals. Yeah. Uh, well, Liam... which is, I thought that, okay. sorry, uh, I, I actually thought that um, Wallacott was good at the weekend. He'd come out for crosses and, and quite comfortable with a punch. So, yeah. Just my two cents in there that Wallacott seemed to perform pretty well on, on Saturday. I, sorry, last thing as well. He was he, Greg. I'll back this up. He was all right with the ball at his feet. Um, since that's a big thing that people like about Marshall, his his distribution was okay. He was happy under pressure because they were popping it about the back under a, a a heavy press. So, yeah, he was decent. Uh, Liam, just before I go get you in, the reason I'd come to you too, I was going to go Ryan, Liam, and then go to Greg because I had a flow. I was going to read a question for then Greg to come in and answer that. But it's fine. What, as soon as I started, <laughs> I went to shut up, Greg, because. I was on the chat last week saying, ah, I'm talking over each other and that, blah, blah, blah. Clown, <laughs> no, you're grand. Uh, but Liam, clown. CJ did send in, thought Walcott looked decent against Blackpool. Is that because of the team we were against or does he have the potential to be our new number one and play big games like the Derby slash Old Firm games? Out of the three keepers, who is your number one? So essentially, Walcott, although we've only seen him in limited time, have you got faith in him to actually start for Hibs? I've not seen him play, so I'm not going to talk about personal personal experience or personal faith or what, or what have you. And, and, and I'm as a goalkeeper, and I think goalkeepers, you said it last week, Harry, goalkeepers need a big sample size of games before you can really make your mind up on whether or not you you think they're the one. Uh, I think Wallacott has already been written off by some in some quarters. I've seen quite a few people kind of hammering him already. Um, before, he's, before he's played a competitive game, which is interesting. I, I'm... This is my thinking on it, and I thought this when we signed him. There's no danger we've paid a fee to have him as our second choice goalkeeper. So he, he has been signed as number one. It's just a case of when that transition happens. If Marshall continues to make mistakes like he did towards the end of the second half of last season, really in the game yesterday, it'll happen a lot sooner rather than later. I'd be tempted to play him, play him, play Wallacott on Thursday, to be honest. But I think it's a, it's a big call because I, I, it's one of those calls I think once you've made it, you don't go back from it. I'm I'm never a fan of switching goalkeepers. I think it, it just looks weak from a managerial perspective. You make a decision, put your big boy pants on, and you tell them who your number one is, and there you go. You run with it. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say as well, like if it's midway through a season, sometimes if keepers are a clanger, you can like sit him out a couple of games just to get his mental bit back, but he's just had a full summer to kind of collect himself after having a pretty poor run into the end of the season. So for me, it's it's not looking good. I, I think he probably has one last chance if that, and if not, then yeah, it, it'll be a struggle for him to come back from here. Um, but we've got some negative comments on last week's game, which is definitely fair enough. The team were pretty poor. Vincent Doherty said, all passengers out on their butts. Try some fresh players and make changes early if it doesn't work. Go to full attack from the start and stop the crossfield passing that leads to back pass slash punt. And then he says an also nice comment about Rocky. Um, right, thank you, Vincent. I'm going to get through a few um, not so happy people just um, so we're not labouring the fact that we were a bit rubbish. Um, well, a quick one to answer. JPJ White said, is there any way back if Inter go up, go 1-0 up in the second leg? Yes. <laughs> Scott Craig said, as likeable as he is and obviously improved, Rocky can never be starting centre-back for Hibs. Was Levitt not meant to be signed as an 8 or 10? Seems to be playing as a 6. Quality of the squad doesn't create away from the first 11. We'd like to see Mackay get a chance. Um, so for that one, Rocky... Athlete actually looked pretty good last season, but obviously didn't have his best performance, it's fair to say, in last week's game. Um, are you comfortable with him being a rotation option alongside Harbottle for centre-back? Greg, you've got a... You've... Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, yeah, no, he didn't show enough last week to, to suggest that he's even rotation quality. Um it might be proved wrong, but yeah, I, I was quite hopeful of Rocky. I think he's done done okay last season, but he's off the back of an injury, so hope to be proved wrong. But at the moment, I, I don't think so. I think Carbottle's probably the better centre half of the two of them. Liam, I'm 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 not really sure of the need to single out Rocky. And amongst all the bad performances last week, there was a lot of really bad. In fact, there's twelve or thirteen bad performances last week. Uh, Rocky was one of them right enough but he's, he's no one I would be, be singling out uh, I, I think we need to focus a bit more on the collective the collective wasn't good enough last week there were some individual errors from some far more experienced players than, than Rocky Bashiri that I would probably call it first there does seem to be he does seem to be though the kind of Marmite player at Hibs this season kind of starting the season there's those who vehemently defend him and think he's great and then there's those who I've seen a couple of comments on the back of those nights saying he's the worst centre-back I've ever seen play for Hibs, which I think is uh, is a take. But uh, uh, the, the, the truth will lie somewhere in between those two things. And moving on slightly, Brian, you saw you were eating the popcorn in the group chat the other night as me and uh, Ewan were arguing over the versatility or lack thereof of Dylan Levitt. Um, do you think it's possible to play him as an 8 or a 10, or do you think that he um, seems to be set as a number 6? I think he's got the technical ability to be able to interchange in all three of those positions, eight, ten, or six. Um, I think that he probably would be best suited to playing in the sixth, the way that Lee Johnson talked about how he wants us to play. Doesn't always execute it. Um, I think in that position, he just needs to screen the back four. Um, obviously, he's got the ability to read the game quite well. And you want him to be ta taking the ball off the centre half, so kind of spraying the passes on the half turn. Um, so I, I think in the six would be the most beneficial position for us, for him to play. Other players around about we've got the legs to get up and down. So um, I think his creativity will spark moves from from deep. 
and then when when necessary, he'll be able to make late runs into the box and and what have you. So yeah, I'd be happy with him playing any of those positions. But I can see why Johnson's trying him at six. Yeah, personally, I don't really like him in the six for games like Andorra. I don't think we really need to have a six in the park. I think if you essentially yeah. just push him up behind the striker and just get him yeah. the ball in good positions, I think he's yeah. good enough to play with his back to goal and actually turn and try and find passes. I just, I think personally the main problem last week was how static we were in the front third. I think Melkerson, in my opinion, I know it might split the pod, but I don't think Melkerson's a winger in a million years. I think he's quite static in his movement. He likes to move around in the box, but he doesn't like to move around on the wing. It means that we're essentially playing everything yeah. through Yuan. Um, Liam, you're on mute, sorry. Yeah, Melkerson's going to have to learn how to do something different. No, this defence of he's not a winger is kind of a bit tiresome, to be honest, yeah. because, because he, he, he's not a winger, but he's not shown enough to be played as a number nine in his time at Hibs. So you're going to have to just adjust and find a way to get yourself in the team. And if that's to work a little bit harder, try it a bit harder, run a bit, more just just look involved you know what his body language from when he first joined where he looked like he wanted to be here to his body language now is it's night and day and i tell you what if if if, if i was coaching him just the first thing i would do is just speak to him about how he carries himself on the pitch mm. yeah that's fair but, you enough. know we love the segue uh, dan mckay as winger um does he deserve a chance greg come to you on that one it's funny Elliam mentions body language there because he looked miles off it on Saturday. He did not want it one bit. There's a ball in the second half where it comes right over and, and he sort of shies away from it. Like he always, always just also just possibly just moves himself out of the way of the ball. So what I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure uh, I mentioned that at the time and you said, what? He was playing for the throat. I got my head ripped off by G at that point, but I'm glad you <laughs> seen the error of your ways. <laughs> no, nah, definitely. Uh, it was very lazy. Um, yeah, that, that, there was absolutely absolutely no need for him to set that far off, I think, maybe. Jumping to the defensive players too quickly. <laughs> um, but no, nah, that, that, that was really bad. And also on Melkerson, a great chance in the first half. That yeah. fucking hell is touch, man. Oh my god. Yeah. This touch ended up doing by Blackpool Tower. It was that bad. <laughs> like it was horrendous. He was he was one on one with the goalkeeper, but he'd had about I don't know, twenty-five yards. All he had to do was take a touch, yep. keep the defender out of the equation, but his touch took him into the path of the defender and the goalkeeper. It was just <clears throat> I, it was lazy, lazy. As for sure, Dan McKay, it's a shame because he's got he's got raw pace that can be useful in games. He's really direct, so it's a shame that application hasn't really been there as of yet. I think um, with that Melkerson chance, so his touch set should set him up perfectly for it. Yeah. The strike away at goal just just showed nothing. And actually, just on Dylan Levitt, me and you were having a conversation before the Groningen game, not a hash it back up, but I, I wouldn't be against Dylan Levitt playing the six against sort of teams that will come in and sit more. Because you need that creativity for deep areas. Whereas with against Celtic and Rangers, you, you don't need that creativity for deep areas because they won't come and sit in. So against the lesser teams like like the Andorran teams and, and like the, the teams that usually come to your road, sit in and, and try and get a point, you point it down and leave it sitting deeper in that six role to try and unlo- unlock the defence and play balls in behind. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Um, well, some people have got 
problems with the position that uh, Dylan Levitt plays, and some people have got problems with us. Um, Lex Lofer said, hi guys, genuinely baffled at the antipathy towards Jego on this pod. We were so much better when he came in to play the sixth position and got rid of that dafty Porto and got in a better centre half in Fish. We all moaned like, about Neil Campbell and JDH playing the six. Um, we've we've made our opinions on Jego clear. We don't like to bash players on the podcast and we try not to do it where possible. Um, if you think Jego's a good player, um, that's good. And I can say wholeheartedly, we do wish that whenever Jego plays, he does put in a good performance and he goes and proves us wrong. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think what you said about Porto being a daft is incorrect. I think what you said about Fish being great is super. Um, and I think we all did have a good moment about Campbell, JDH and Neil playing the six. So thank you, Lex Lofer, for that. Uh, sorry, sorry, Harry. I just want to say that Jake Doyle Hayes does phenomenal work off the ball. Phenomenal. Um, he's a one-man pressing machine and I think we're a much better team when he's in, the, uh, in there. So this season's a big season for him. Yeah, be fair. Jimmy Jago might might improve his game after Ruben McAllister showed him how to play football at the weekend. Oh, what a talent! Jelly, he's so good. He's so good. I know I've I've had a bit of a pop because we paid money for him as works at the club, but genuinely, <laughs> genuinely, like I was taken aback by how good he was. He was a standout for me. He yeah. was a, him at Megwa. Megwa was really impressive. Really impressive. I what what's Megwa five ten wins headers. Every header, absolutely everyone. Can I just say this? I mean, this has been great this conversation, but um, this has gone on far too long without someone picking Harry up on his pronunciation there. I can't believe he just talked about Isanti Cathy. Did you hear that? What did I say? Well, Antipathy. Antipathy. <laughs> it sounds like something you'd order in an Indian restaurant, man. <laughs> oh, you're Auntie Cathy. Anyway, sorry, Harry. Yeah, he said that earlier in the pod, the front third as well, if you want to go back and listen to that. I don't know what the front third is, but it's certainly not, not in football, is it? Harry, we no, love you. Earlier, earlier on, Ryan says, yeah. I don't want to dig players out, then proceeded to dig a player out, and I didn't call him out for that. Goodness, yeah. everybody just No, I know, Harry. I know. I meant I don't like to do it. You can me, yeah. Guys, guys, but we're losing it. Let's let's get back. I feel really I feel really bad because someone sent a question. I forgot to type their name down. But anyway, they said Melkerson had a 65% strike rate at each club before Hibbs. McCurdy had a 55% strike rate, essentially um for percentage of shots to goal ratio, um, oh, both right. on zero percent after approximately 23 league games each for Hibbs. That's a crash that simply can't be put down to the players. So do we need more creativity in the side? My initial um, instinct for both of those players, again, don't want to bash them too hard, but I think that's more of a recruitment issue. I don't think they were at the stage where they were ready to play first-team football for Hibs, and I think that's more of the reason than the fact that just coaching, because I, I think putting, putting those two players down to coaching is a bit much of... No, Liam? The, the, the common denominator with McCurdy and Melkison is um, I've no doubt they've both got something, they've both got a bit of ability, but neither of them have the physicality or the to be honest the determination or maybe even a little bit of ability missing to play as a lone striker in this league neither of them have got it so they've found they've had to go and play out wide and neither of them have cut the mustard out wide so that that's ultimately the common denominator with those two players their goal records for coming him so we're both pretty good and ultimately that's how Dylan Venter will be judged like whether or not he can lead the line it's you know all the things that you need to be able to do that and do it in 
the way that Lee Johnson wants to play. Um, no, no, I'm not pushing that back onto the manager, by the way. I just think, you know, obviously a man, how a manager wants to play dictates. Really clever centre-forwards, like really great centre-forwards learn how to adjust and learn how to be able to play the role slightly differently. Um, Melkson and McCurdy haven't learned that yet. Melkson's still young. Maybe maybe as time will come, but um, I, I haven't seen enough from Melkson to suggest he will be a starting number nine for Hibs anytime soon. Um, and then Aaron sent in a question saying, thoughts on the youth players playing? I'm not sure if that was in relation to Blackpool or if that's in relation to the youth players playing in general. Um, so I'll tie that into the next question, which Jeff Ashton said. Um, first of all, he said fish to start on Thursday, but then he said, I didn't see the game against Blackpool, but any of the young boys stake a claim for a place. Um, G and Ryan, come to you guys first. Thoughts on youth players playing for the starting team? Yeah, physically I think ready, um, I would say definitely physically ready. No, there is a couple still very absolutely physically ready. Um, more than capable at right back, can play can play football, proper football. Megua centre half machine. So it is two straight away in positions that that people are probably looking at and looking for looking for players to step into. You know, there's a lot of criticism around Rocky Bushiri. There's not really a, a right back there at the moment that's staking their claim. And and to be honest, I would also have to say Ruben McAllister, I think he's maybe not at the level physically, but I tell you what, he's got all the attributes and the ability that you need to be a top, top midfielder. Very, very good. Very, very impressive throughout. And the McIntyre brothers as well. And Ryan, any players that G didn't mention there that caught your eye? No, he's mentioned them all, the ones that caught my eye. But just to just to accentuate the point, I think I was really impressed with McIntyre, uh, Oscar McIntyre, that is, how hard he worked <laughs> up and down the left-hand side. More than happy to put himself about. Wasn't put off by the physicality of the guy he was matched up against. Flung himself into a couple of tackles, which I love. One of my favourite things about football <laughs> a good meaty challenge. Got the technical ability as well, but just really to back up what Greg's saying, Ruben McAllister, it's one of the most impressive kind of performances I've seen from somebody so young uh, against, you know, senior football team, grown men, uh, constantly scanning his shoulders, taking the ball on the back foot, vision, creativity, and he was bouncing about, always, always wanting the ball off his back four, on the toes, brilliant. His dad's talking well, like. Great left peg on him. Clipped a couple of balls down into the wings for, for uh, Mackay to run on in. Perfectly weighted. Just great. Brilliant. Um, I'm um, eulogising here. I'm sorry. I am. I absolutely love that Scannon's now become this huge attribute in football. Everyone mentions Scannon now. Scans this, scans that. I'm sure Greg was shouting it for the stands. On, on <laughs> he Saturday. was very I, good. He was just, very good. I, I, I'm just paying attention to my pie and my juice and go, oh, he's fucking scanning. That's brilliant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. To be fair. Nah, to, to be fair. Yeah. Scanning's a huge part of the game. Anything to chime in there on scanning, Liam? Or are, you, are you happy with that? <laughs> nah, so I do love these new words that become fashionable in football that used to be called vision uh, back when I was a lad and now it's called scanning. Uh, it's a bit like, uh, does, 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 
is a great presser as, as well as another one. Who reads the press? Well, Ryan said something about JDH being good off the ball, which has been around a wee bit longer, I suppose. But I do enjoy the, the wee new buzzwords that come and go in football. People, football people talk football. It's good. I like it. Nice. I've never caught on to the low block. I don't. I don't like that terminology. That's one I've heard around branded around Twitter quite often. I'm not a fan. But anyway, just uh, press. Yeah. Um. Bex and Jeff Ashton both asked about the best midfield trio. I know we kind of covered it last week, but have, have your minds changed at all? Do we still think at the moment the ideal starting lineup would be JDH, Newell, and uh, Levitt, or is there anyone you guys would sub in? I think it's important to have balance in a in a midfield three, and the three of them kind of complement each other very well. So interesting what the manager said about Levitt not being up to speed yet um, on the basis of his injury and struggling in the heat. Um, don't think we've seen the best of him yet, put it that way. I think we'll, 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 see, we'll see more from Dylan Levitt. I think we need to give that midfield three a chance. Um, and you know, probably need to find a way to get Josh Campbell in around the, the team as well, to be honest, because his, his performances probably do warrant him being close, close to the first team. Yeah. I thought yeah. Levitt was very good against Groningen, to be honest. I really didn't think he was very good. So, listen, these players aren't going to be world-class every week. So, well, of off games, I think there was maybe stipulations with Levitt and Andorra. Um, altitude was mentioned. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens on, on Thursday. And now we're going to get to our negativity section of the podcast where I get through all the rants and raves about Lee Johnson. And um, So Dave sent in, does anyone feel we have no forward vision? Vision um, Doesn't seem like we get any penetrating runs from the forwards or key passes into good spaces. The midfield and forwards are disjointed to me. Um, Dave also said, um, please can someone specify clearly what changes Lee Johnson has made? Still no identity, still no courage apart from Derby and still no attacking style of play as spoken about multiple times. <sighs> Um, so yeah, a few bits to unpack. I, I touched on earlier. I, I think that the lack of movement, um, in forward positions, and I, I don't know how you would call it, Greg, um, wasn't very good. Um, I, I, I agree that there wasn't many midfielders making runs either. I think the team did seem relatively disjointed. I know that, um, the altitude and stuff was an excuse that was branded about, but I think it looked more like a lack of cohesion throughout the team as opposed to. Um, climate issues. Yeah, do you think that's a harsh assessment of Lee Johnson, or do you think that's he's made fair comments there? Um, it's tough because in some games you can see what he's trying to do, but in other games you, you you don't know what he's trying to do. Um, I think we need to be we're at our best when we're fluid in the final third. That's when we're at our best when we've got that le- um level of fluidity in there with the runs from midfield and maybe with the midfield three that, that we like maybe that's not going to be as prevalent but you've still got Junior that can get forward and, and Doyle Hayes likes to get himself into the area so I just think that the, the players do need to take it on themselves so they need to take responsibility for their own performance like loads of question marks over Lee Johnson but for me the players weren't good enough for the last week and, and that comes from their decision-making when they're in the box or in the final third. Where, where they're positioning themselves, looking at their other teammates and seeing where they are. Pick up pockets of space and, and don't just be so one-dimensional all the time. Yep. 
Um, and then Stephen Bell said, if we are eliminated from Europe um, on Thursday, does Johnson have to go? President said last year when Mullo binned Alexander after an embarrassing elimination from Europe. And then you and Robert also asked, would you sack Lee Johnson if we got knocked out on Thursday? Um, my simple answer is yes. I, I personally think that over 90 minutes, I think that's the worst opposition that have beat Hibs that I can ever recollect. I wouldn't expect Andorra, that team to do much in the bottom leagues of Scottish football, never mind beating us. I, I think it was just really poor. Obviously, it's one of those situations we're never going to see, but I, I think it was woefully bad. And if we somehow don't beat them at Easter Road, um, I don't think Lee Johnson, as we've... I think it's a, normally Liam that says the phrase credit in the bank. I don't think Lee Johnson has enough of that um, to justify staying if we get embarrassed at Easter Road. Um I don't think that's going to happen. Um, and I've said before, even though I've had my doubts on Lee Johnson, I think that the main excuse he had throughout the season was, I've not got my team, let me have my team, and then you'll see what I can do as a manager. So for me, I'm willing to give him till like October time, and then I'll assess there and then if I think that he's good enough to be Hibs manager. And then obviously we can reassess from whatever. Uh, but what do you guys think? If we, if we get beat or don't get through on Thursday, would you guys give the job? Greg, come to you first. So I come here. Purely in isolation of that result. There are some results that aren't acceptable, and that is one of them. Yeah, fair. Ryan, any disagreements? If we get beat, you should be walking. Never mind waiting for the sack. So, I mean, like, it's completely and entirely unacceptable to be beat from an Andorran side. Like, I, I don't really have the words to say other than that it's embarrassing if, if we don't go through. Like, it really is. Any disagreements, Liam? I just want to be devil's advocate and try and find a way of having like a different opinion from you. But I do. I, I what I was going to say was pretty much word for word what G said in terms of if we have that result in isolation, sometimes that's enough. But I don't know. I think we'd need to assess it after Thursday. I think a lot would depend on what actually happened on the pitch on on Thursday night. You know, if it was you know kind of another sort of freak result, or if actually the performance was just really lacking and substandard like it was on Thursday like if he if he can't get a reaction from those players from last Thursday then I guess the answer would probably have to be yes because that would worry me about what kind of season we're set up for but I am conscious that we've just probably spent something close to two million pounds and transfer fees across the course of this window there's absolutely no danger we're going to sack them so it's a bit of a circular conversation which therefore makes me think if we're not going to sack them why don't we just get behind them and just accept that you know, it's a really bad result, but the, I mean, it's going to be if we if we lost on Friday, fucking toxic at home. Uh, Submarin on Sunday, like absolutely fucking toxic. Yeah, be be worrying times. Um, but yeah, Lewis Young, apologies, missed the question earlier when I had read out Gav's question, but he also asked the uh, should Boyle start on Thursday. We answered probably not. Um, and then Sebo, what a guy. Um, Initially sent in a tweet asking um, any DTS fancy leagues, lads. Which I, I enjoyed that question. I was I was ready to answer that in the podcast, but he did correct himself to say any fantasy league. I floated around the idea of having a um, non-old firm fantasy league. I think that could be quite fun. I get a bit bored seeing Tavernier captained in every team, um, and then seeing Kyogo play up front in every team. I just think it's a bit monotonous. So I think it would actually be a challenge and a bit fun if we mixed it up. Um, Liam. 
visibly if you're not watching on YouTube look disgusted at that suggestion. Um, I suppose it would be quite hard to put rules in. I hate when people just put additional. There's enough rules in fantasy football as it is to start with. No more time. It's like when you used to play FIFA and be like, oh, you're really cutbacks. Well, you're really uh, doing uh, halfway line. No, well, no, no sweaties. No sweaties. Like, uh, like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm happy to play fantasy football. I've not played it for a couple of years. Um, I'm happy to play it. I will be starting Kyogo up front and having Tavernier at right back. So, so is, um, who did that question come from? Permission slip HSE? It did indeed. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. But if we are to do one, then it will be tweeted out and you'll we'll, we'll give you a link personally so you can join. We'll give you a permission slip for that. Um, but final <laughs> questions of the day come in from one of our favourites, Jack Kell, and he sent in if Dylan Venti was well, if we signed Dylan Venti, what one position would you look to sign someone else in? Um, he'd personally go for a number 10. Um that, that wouldn't be my priority. Uh, no. I just doesn't even have a number 10 in it. Yeah, when no, was the last no, time you played with a number no, 10? We definitely right. don't. Nah. I don't, I don't right. hate the idea if you're going to play a 4-2-3-1. Not to put it, because I don't hate the idea if you're going to play a 4-2-3-1 or you're going to play a system that actually uses number 10, I'd be, I'd probably be for it. But how many teams play with a number 10 now? Yeah, most teams play that 4-3-3 formation, don't they? With the deep line uh, kind of playmaker and the two box to box midfielders, so... The number yeah. 10 that no tracky backy is dead. Like, <laughs> number 10s now are basically in teams to set up refs. Like, you don't really see many teams. You're your Scott Allen type player, to be honest, in football is it's a dying breed. They might make a comeback at some point. You know, yeah. your Juan Roman Riquelme or your Alexia Romenko are no longer. Um, you're now got guys like Josh Campbell playing that role. It's a very different type of football. Right back for me. Sorry, Harry, to answer the question. No need for sorry. Uh, Greg? Good point to right back as well. So the position of the part that really was struggling to have a lot of depth. Right. I think it's clearly obvious that that's the position that needs to be strengthened. I think going for somebody of good quality would obviously set us back. But if we were able to get somebody of the kind of ability that Stephen Whitaker had, you know, I would give my left nut for that. <laughs> Marauding runs up the park. Just, I mean, very, very good first time round. Well, Ben Kensel, if you're struggling in negotiations for a right back, you now have Ryan's testicle um, on the table <laughs> as well, which is great. It's the only one I've got, man. The other one's plastic. Goodness. I'd actually go for a right winger, to be honest. Um, I, I think... I'm, I'm con- Obviously, Boyle's coming back with quite a serious injury, and I'm concerned that if he goes down, then we're going to be pretty one-dimensional. And as we saw away from home against Andorran team, whose name I'm not going to butcher for a bit of time on this podcast, um, I think we'll struggle massively. So personally, I'd go for a right-back. I don't think it's an, I don't think we've really got a need across the team. I think we're about okay across Give the team. Give me that right-wing. What? You just say that right-back. Did I say right? I meant con- right-winger. You're confusing uh, me now. Oh, no, sorry. I meant I wanted a right-winger. You wanted to say Nigel Farage or something. Um, but final question of the day Jack Kell said what's your favourite song at the moment mine's is either These Streets by Paolo Nettini or Last Call by Kanye and then he said in brackets if I don't hear Drake from Harry I'll be very surprised being honest mate I'm I'm a big Drake fan fan. I'm a big Drake fan Jack but I'm not the biggest Drake fan on the pod that's definitely G Um, but Ryan come to your first favourite song at the moment Married Farrell by Gary Oak. 